Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that early childhood nerd podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Man, fuck, man, fuck, man, fuck. of that early childhood nerd you probably realize that's tiffany that's me (laughs) could you tell from my voice or my energy and enthusiasm why not all of it (laughs) why not all of it we're gonna talk about mem fox (laughs) tiffany's excited i am she has a cool name is that a real name? name i don't know I don't know. Mem Fox. Mem Fox, probably. But Mem's probably one of those cute nicknames for, like, an old lady name or something. Well, she's a fox, though. She's no old lady. I'm d- old lady name. I know she's not an old lady. I see her. Oh, okay. Right there okay. on your book. Yeah. 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 That wasn't an insult in any way. Like, you know, Betsy or Peggy is a nickname for Margaret. That's oh, I, mean. I see what you mean. mean. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought you were calling her some old lady. No. Whoever this old lady is. No, no, uh, no. So Mem Fox wrote a book called Reading Magic. And she's Australian. She is Australian. I wonder if that's the... Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> that's the one thing I can do. I can say I can Australian. Say, I can say zebra. <laughs> that's about uh... it. <laughs> I really want accents. I'm not brave enough to try them and practice them. So it's just wanting and not getting. Mm. Mm. I see. Mm-hmm. Steve does accents. He likes to do them when he does um, like Siri. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just to mess with her. Just to see how good she really is. Mm. Okay, so Mem Fox, what's the Mem-Fox. subtitle Mem-Fox. of the book? I don't have it in front of me, but I remember I love the subtitle also. Why reading aloud to our children will change their lives forever. Right. Ever, uh, ever. A laudable goal. Yeah. Who can argue with that goal? Let's change some argue? lives. Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of how I felt about the whole book. Really? Everything she said was like, who can argue with that? Oh, right. Yeah. 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 That's kind of, so I don't want to jump too far ahead, but what you said when we were texting about this yesterday, that it all seemed like. I'm paraphrasing you. Go for really it. amazing, but also like common sense. And mm-hmm. I think that's the best when when you're reading something that is both kind of blowing your mind and also like, why did we need someone else to tell us this? Yeah, we should. Just it was like I didn't I didn't have this. language for any, for any of my feelings, and then she wrote yes, it all down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, right, okay, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the feeling right. I'm feeling. Okay, she's singing our life with her yep. words. Yeah. Um, to quote whoever sings Killing Me Softly. Uh, not the, uh, the Fugees was not a cover. The Fugees. <laughs> uh, Fugees. Um, Ro- Roberta Flack, I believe, is who that was. Okay. Anyway, okay. again, see, I told you I wasn't podcast ready <laughs> before we started. Okay, so here's our quote, this specific quote from the book Reading Magic. When an understanding of the world, 
language, and print act together as a team, reading happens. All three go hand in hand like inseparable friends. Yep. Inseparable friends. Yeah. Um, so we, I think we both just finished this or had you already been reading it when I, I had been reading it for a while. It was my, I read this while I'm pumping at work book <laughs> and, um, I brought it home and finished it cause it was yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we were recording an episode about print rich environments and we started talking about this a little bit. And so I had to go out and buy it that day. Um, because I hadn't read any of her stuff. I have read, I have one of her children's books in the classroom that I'm in right now. Oh, and I don't know. It was yeah, my I, Fox experience. I, uh, this is the first thing I've ever read from her. Mm-hmm. And I've heard many times from people that I admire, like, oh, you gotta read Mem Fox. Yeah. Mem Fox and reading aloud. Mem Fox, Mem Fox. Yeah. So when I saw this on the shelf, I snagged it. Yep. So we, I don't want to go through the whole print rich thing again, because by the time this episode comes out, that one will already have been out and people will have heard our thoughts about that. Um, But I am thinking a lot lately about the kinds of things we do with young children around the idea of wanting them to be readers. And it's, it's sort of separating itself from my usual rant against early academics because... Um, so let me just tell you why. I'll just yeah, tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll just yeah, tell yeah. you why. So I am back in a classroom, back in direct yeah. care, in case I hadn't mentioned that in the last five minutes. Um, and so I'm seeing, and it's stuff I've seen everywhere. I, I try to be really careful not to single anybody out when I'm telling these stories. But I'm seeing again now um, how joyless reading with a group of children is yeah what's that about often like i i see people first of all um who just don't seem to be very good readers themselves and i don't know if it's because maybe that's too harsh but they're just not becoming familiar with a book or they're not looking at the book themselves before they try to read it to children um or they don't have any enthusiasm for it themselves or they feel silly reading out loud you know, even as yeah. adults. So I don't know what it is, but I see a lot of, I see a lot of that just joyless presentation of words on pages. And yeah. I don't, I it, don't understand. It's like that. unimaginative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the first things I did was, was go back to um, Amazon and order about 10 children's books that I used to read with children all the time that I know I liked and that I knew children would like. And, um, and we read those 10 things repeatedly, even though there's a bajillion other books in the room and we have fun with it and the children get to talk and they get to move. And if they don't want to be right there with me, they can be across the room from me. This one little guy loves the, uh, going on a bear hunt book and, yeah, and there's, doesn't. A, there's a page where they discover it's a bear and it's like, you know, they're in the dark cave and it's, uh, two big furry ears two big goggly eyes, one shiny wet nose. It's a bear. And he'll be clear across the room involved in something else. And we get to that and he yells, it's a bear along with us from wherever (laughs) he is. And I love it. Um, So I don't don't want to just go into rant mode already, but um, one of the other things I'm seeing is CD books. 
a really yeah. heavy reliance on CD books, and the adult still is holding the book, and the children are all still sitting, um, listening. But to somebody the CD. else is reading. Someone else is turning the page. That yeah, and someone else is reading on the CD, and the person, you know, the adult who's turning the pages is not really involved at all. I've been waiting for that little ding noise and turning the page. And my first day there at whatever transition time it was, the teacher I was working with at the time said, why don't you do a CD book with them while I get ready for lunch? And I was like, well, I'd rather just read to them. And they, the three adults who were in the room, like, were so confused by that. What? <laughs> and then, like, a week later, a kid asked for one of their favorite CD books. And the other teacher said, oh, Miss Heather doesn't like CD books. <laughs> and that was, like, the end of the conversation. Wow. So, anyway, it's on my mind. And, yeah, and so this this, this book um, struck a lot of chords for me. Yeah, I'll let you talk a little. Bit. I have a question for you: mm-hmm. How can a child be exposed to the pleasure of reading uh-huh. if the adult themselves has never been exposed to the pleasure of reading? Yeah, I, that's a big. There's there's a lot of stuff that drives me crazy in childcare programs that I know is cyclical. It's part of someone else didn't yeah. get what they needed, so now they're not prepared to give what this next group needs. So, um, so how do we get past that though? I mean, is that an excuse? Do we just say, okay, well then, don't read joyfully? No, I don't know. I. That that is a tough one. It's a double, double entendre. No, that's not the right. No, it's not a double entendre. It's not that. (laughs) I mean, it could Uh, be if you said it with the right intonation, a little eyebrow (laughs) waggle. (laughs) But it's it's that double edged sword, right? How do you instill a love of reading if they don't have instilled a love of reading? Uh And sometimes I think it is setting that example. Like, is an adult too old to learn new tricks? Right. Do they, um, for an adult who doesn't enjoy reading aloud, is that okay to own that and just Mm -hmm. say, I don't like it? Yeah. And I think that if you're uh, a person in charge of setting the example for these kids, such as a caregiver, Mm -hmm. then it's not a good enough excuse. Right, that's what I was going to say. It's just say. like eating Brussels sprouts. <laughs> like, you don't want your kids to never eat Brussels sprouts because you're like, ew, Brussels sprouts are gross. And right. then, like, maybe your kid loves Brussels sprouts. How are you supposed to know? Right, so I think it's okay. I mean, you have to own it internally Yeah. before any action can be taken, you know, before you can decide what yeah. is the best thing to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I certainly wouldn't own it in front of kids. Like, I'm not going to oh, no, I don't like to read. Take that right. book away. <laughs> yeah. That's, but that's I can say it to my co-teacher. You know, I'm not really yeah. comfortable with that. I'm happy to do, you know, sanitize the cots while you do the stories and work that out. I think then it's okay to to own it. Yeah. And... I think seeing a, a big part of this in my mind for adults that don't enjoy reading aloud to children is that they don't, they've never experienced it as a child. And they also don't know what it's supposed to look like from the outside or they see it and they're like, I can never do that. So I might like, I, I shouldn't, I should just never try. I'm never going to read it perfect. So I shouldn't try it all. Right. 
stupid to me. Right. I mean, I, I do think it takes some courage for yeah. some people. Um, I think, I mean, I'm probably a good example for this because I was read to a lot as a child. I have favorite books and memories of closeness with an adult while I was reading favorite books and was a reader myself. I am a reader myself. Um, mm always so it just seems uh matter of fact maybe the, you know like we were talking about with yeah the book, it just seems like common sense and well duh of course we read and it's not that big of a deal and you just have fun with it um but but that's not everybody's experience yeah and um it's okay if that's not your experience but then you have a choice to make once you mm-hmm. realize that Mm-hmm. Um, like I remember the feeling very vividly when I was, when my position was to work with several child care centers and I was sitting with one of the directors and I offered him a book that had been really helpful to me when I was a director and he just handed it back to me and said, Oh, I'm not really much of a reader. And I was like, uh, 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 <laughs> how, how, how can that be? <laughs> yeah. But a um, lot of people aren't. Right, right. I know that's what Jeff yeah. tells me every time I say I want to write a book. He says what? People don't read anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> anyway, so. Um, let's, this has gone a, an interesting direction. I did not expect right. to be. We've gone an interesting way with this. Yes. I um, think that that. So that, that that's where this book comes into me. Mm hmm. Which, there's that double-edged sword. If you don't enjoy reading, excuse me, picking up this book and reading it is sure mm-hmm. going to give you the tools you need to read aloud successfully. Right. Um, but I think that the format of this book is pretty easy and straightforward. It was an easy read. Right. That's and what I was thinking as I read it. It was like, this would be really accessible. This is really accessible yeah. to anyone yeah. regardless of how they already feel about reading. Right. And it's, this to me is something you can pull. Yeah, the chapters are just mm-hmm. the right length. Um, I say that because, you know, you can sit down and read a chapter and be done uh-huh. with that chapter. Um, this seems like a good book to maybe send out a chapter for parents to read. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this was interesting. If you like this, it's oh, from this book. Uh-huh. I liked it. So here yeah. you go. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But there is that trouble, though. If you don't like reading, why would you read a book about reading aloud? (laughs) Right. Confirmation bias happening right here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I I really liked the way that the book always came back to relationship and that feeling of wanting to be close to your child. Because it's it's aimed for – it's geared towards parents, not towards – early childhood folks. Um, right. And, and most parents can get behind that idea of, I just want to have a fun, close experience with my child. And I yeah. didn't think about books. And maybe I need to think about books for that. Yeah. Um, I think examples of reading books aloud with kids is really helpful, too. Uh-huh. And that, to me, is where a book on tape can be helpful. So, like, the parent listens to Skippy John Jones and is like, oh, when they get to that part, 
uh, you know, like if you if you've never read that book before, it's an intimidating book. But if uh-huh. you can listen to someone else read it and say, oh, OK, like I get what's happening now. I understand how to say these words. Uh-huh. I'm ready to read it with my kid. Uh-huh. I think that's a great use of that book on tape or book on CD. Yeah. Because sometimes that's the intimidating part. I think so. Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about that being a good use for the books on tape. I mean, I used to have, back in the old days when we had tape recorders, um, I would send the tape recorder home and a favorite book from the classroom with parents and ask them to read it. And then we would have book on tape at the center oh, in mom or dad's was... voice or whoever. Yeah. And that was so fun. And then those families really got behind reading when they saw that that could be that a connection between yeah. home and childcare, um, and uh, then they just I think they just had more fun with it too. They could take books home that were from the center, and, um, yeah. which is why I had to buy them all again because I didn't always get them back. <laughs> That's sign of a good book. Yep. Um, I I thoroughly believe in the Edward James almost General Adama from. Battlestar Galactica <laughs> um, theory of books, which is they're not meant to be borrowed. They're meant to be given. Mm-hmm. So if somebody keeps a book, it's because it's... they like it and it should be kept and passed along. Maybe. Or it could be because they didn't like it and they put it away and forgot about it and then never gave it back. I've done that with books that were not my thing, my topic or whatever. When That's people true. give them to me. <laughs> That's true. That happens sometimes too. Okay, so I want to go back to the direct quote for a minute, though, for a while. Yeah, Because there was some specific stuff I wanted to get in on that with. Um, So um, let me just read it again. When an understanding of the world, language, and print act together as a team, reading happens. All three go hand in hand like inseparable friends. So let's talk about those three things acting together. Um, what, What first came to mind... For me, well, two things when I read this again. Um, one is this is exactly how the way she describes um, learning to read in the book is exactly how my son Curtis learned to read. We just read the same things over and over so many times and he was four. Um, and I think he just, you know, he had it memorized and then he started handling the books himself and made those connections with the print and then took that, carried that over into other books and just one day was suddenly reading. Um, yeah. but I always have to add to that story. Then my daughter had the same experience, but didn't read till almost the end of first grade. So <laughs> like we did the yeah. same kinds of things with her. She just was a different person. So I have to throw that in whenever I, yeah. um, but I, I totally understand what she's talking about. Um, when she talks about giving them chances to make those connections. Um, the other thing that I thought of was, uh, the word gap conversation again. Yes, that's what I have. So, down you know, people too. are very concerned that children from certain uh, sectors of the world or life uh, are not hearing as many words by age five as others are. And so then it, they're having more difficulty reading. Um, and I think that is kind of where this is going when she's talking about an understanding of the world and language. Yeah. If you have more experiences to connect to those marks in the page, it's going to, it's going to be easier. Yeah. But I don't think that it's the same as 
sight words and flashcards and definitely not vocabulary drills and that kind of stuff. So yeah, her her argument was that in order for anything like phonics or sight words to be meaningful at all, you have to understand those words to begin with. Right. Like you have to understand so much more to read a sentence than just how to sound out in those words. If you've never seen the word harp before and never heard of a harp and never, you just don't know what that is, when you encounter it in a sentence, you're not going to say like, oh, like looking at context clues. You're never going to get to harp because you've never experienced a harp before. Uh So then you you miss out on the whole meaning of the sentence because you don't have the background knowledge to access what that is or the language knowledge to access what it could be. Mm-hmm. I, I liked the the conversation in the book of the discussion of phonics. And I think that was yeah. added to the new edition, maybe. Um, but I'm trying to look at... Uh, I'm, I'm looking through it quickly to see because there was some... Uh, I remember there was something that really stood out to me. Oh, when she said, um, whose phonics is correct? Phonics doesn't take account of different English accents either. In Australia, I'm an ortha author, <laughs> but in America, I'm an author <laughs> and uh-huh. whose phonics is correct. Um, yeah. Um, shoot, I can't find what I was looking for in there, but but I think that that section was added. So if it's a book that you've read before and haven't seen this updated version maybe that phonics section is something new yeah i don't Um, i don't particularly remember that part of it yeah i can't imagine also many people growing up with fond memories about the relationships that formed around their phonics studies yeah (laughs) right although i I do remember fondly studying for a spelling bee with my mom Mm -hmm. and we would just go through the book just her shouting out words and me spelling them back (laughs) Was it a little blue book? I loved the little blue spelling bee books, but it that could have been. been from my '80s spelling bees. I guess yours were much later than the '80s. It, it felt <laughs> like a small version of a Scholastic oh. book order magazine. Oh. Like the pages were really thin and delicate. Sure. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Cheap so, is oh, the real well. You're right, but let's talk about the tactile memories attached to reading. Sometimes, oh yeah, the smell of a good mm-hmm. book. That's one of the first things I do, especially if it's a used bookstore. Is smell the book. Oh, I, cut. I decide. You you touch. Yeah, I want to feel too. like what's the weight of the page? How does it feel when I'm holding it open in one hand? Yeah, I read this on my side in bed comfortably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I, I really smack in the middle, am I going to have to fight to keep it open, or is it going to fall open for me? Right. <laughs> I dislike hardcover chapter books. Uh, so is there a paperback version? Uh, and on the flip side, I dislike paperback children's books. Oh, is there yeah. a hardcover version? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of my other favorites. Is <laughs> yeah. the Very Busy Spider, which is an Eric Carle book. Uh-huh. about a spider building a web you probably know um and through the whole thing the pros the progress of the web the the web thread is sort of raised off the page oh so you yeah can feel it across the page and then you can feel the whole web and um i always make sure that when we're reading that that i'm not 
being cranky about them crowding and trying to touch that because <laughs> that's fun as, to touch yeah that's as much a part of the experience as anything is mm-hmm. um so am i you know walking with them as inseparable friends while we're having that experience or am i scolding and pushing them away while we're having that <laughs> experience right is always on my mind i sort of had a grouchy week so i did a little bit more Ugh, god i just don't want to do that <laughs> <laughs> You were a grouchy ladybug, sounds like. I sure was. Um, Let's see. The world, language, and print act together. I think what else comes into this conversation is the authenticity of the experiences we give children. If we think that having more experience with new new ideas and new objects in the world and people is going to help them be a stronger reader... Um, how are we offering that to them? Yeah. Um, are, are we letting them explore and touch and get into things? Or are we, um, you know, sitting plastic versions of real things on tables and yeah, sorting them into colored plates or something and thinking <laughs> that's giving them experience yeah. with new ideas? Yeah. Um. Here's another thing this book sort of touched on for me. Mm -hmm. She assumes that reading for pleasure needs to come first. Mm -hmm. And I think that that message gets missed a lot when talking about reading books to children. Okay. Or reading at all. Okay. That before, before you can even step into this understanding print, understanding language, understanding the world, you have to enjoy and want to be there. You have to want Uh to be at the table. Uh And it, that that aspect gets glossed over way too much. Right. Especially with struggling readers. Mm-hmm. You have to enjoy this before you can want to do it. Mm-hmm. We have, um, in, has a great program called Book Cycle, um, uh-huh. started by a couple of retired teachers. And uh, what their, their whole idea was that some children just don't have books in their home, like because their parents aren't readers or um, uh, for whatever reason, they just don't own books um, like, Mm -hmm. you know, like I did when I was little. And so they want to, from very early ages, give children opportunities to have books of their own and to enjoy reading with people. So they have a few center child care centers in town that they that they work with and volunteers come in one day a week. And if it's the child's first week in the center, they get two free books. And nice. then every say Thursday, they can bring whatever book they want and trade it for another book. And then the volunteers read with them. Um, and uh, it's, you know, it's an exciting thing because the books, the book ladies come and yeah. they read to us and they're always happy to see us. And then I get this book and I can keep it and I can take it home. And I, th- I think um, that's part of maybe what you're talking about when we say the pleasure of reading is overlooked yeah. um, because it turns into drill and skill or the people the kids who struggle it's just another stressful thing or another thing that they're gonna disappoint an important adult about Uh and um so of course reading then becomes more of a chore and a drag and maybe even a trigger for some yeah you know some childhood 
toxic stress sometimes even. I don't think that's an exaggeration um, yeah. to call it that. Absolutely. I love to repeat read. I don't know how you, I know that really drives some people crazy. And especially Uh because most of my direct care work is with toddlers uh, who the world is repeating. No. So I, you know, we'll read the same thing over and over and over. And, um, I've started to see, um, the kids take some of those books that we've read over and over and sit by themselves on the little tiny couch in the book area and basically recite it to themselves and turn the pages in the right spots. And it's so wonderful. <laughs> I just love it. Yeah. Um, in fact, I sent the very busy spider home with one of the families last week so that they could hear their little boy, quote unquote, read the whole thing. Yeah. Because he did the, when I read it, I do different voices for the animals and he was doing the voices. Oh, yeah. It was so great. And even some kids who, you know, like the little guy with the bear hunt doesn't necessarily Uh want to sit, but he's got some pleasurable association with that, with that book. Yeah. And, you know, probably it's because he has some other connection to bears or the feeling of excitement and fear that is kind of built through that book. Um, it's not just the words on the page. Yeah. It's, it's the cumulative experience around it that makes that exciting for them. And I think they're on a better track to be good readers and enjoy reading. Yeah. Than maybe the little girl who sits perfectly cross-legged and listens to every story. um, Yeah. Silently and, and doesn't react to it and gets praised for doing that right yeah sorry i'm hearing a baby in the background Oh, okay i was looking to make sure my recording was still working (laughs) um uh oh you know what else this book uh made me think about nope well, I'm gonna tell you. There's a there's a part in it where she talks about how kids have to be writers first and readers second. Was that in here? Um, I don't remember it, but that doesn't mean it's not in there. I think it was in here. Maybe we'll save that for another time. Okay. I don't want a tangent. Get us off on too much of a tangent. Okay. But that idea that before you can read a thing, you have to know it so well that you could write it. Oh, I was don't that in? That. I don't think that was in here. Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that. It honestly doesn't mean it's not in there. Um, well, maybe I'll find it and it'll be another quote. Perfect. Uh, are we ready to wrap it up? I don't know if I have much more to say about it. I was thinking that I had something that I forgot that I was going to say and now I forgot. And I'm trying to Uh-oh. be cool while I recover the memory but it's not working it's just turning into awkward pause now (laughs) (laughs) well i'll talk while you think okay so um i think the big takeaway for me is that there isn't one secret to reading Uh uh-huh it's not you don't have to oh you know bob books are going to teach your kid to read Uh or reading aloud is going to teach your kid to read it it takes a whole child having a whole experience Mm -hmm. to read right and the whole I think child just approach. yeah, just that there's more to it than just saying the words that are on the page and thinking that's of value. 
it's a starting yeah. point and yeah. it certainly gives kids some experience and you still maybe have that connection um, if you're just saying what's on the page, but it's the connection that is much more important. And I think I, I can't tell you today where this comes from, but I'm certain that I've seen it cited and maybe it's from the book, A Mandate for Playful Learning. Um, but there's, there's studies that indicate that the children who read better and enjoy reading further into their lives are the ones who have this kind of whole uh, relationship and connection and pleasurable association with the process of reading and not yeah. so much the ones that had the early letter identification and uh, phonics experiences. Those mm-hmm. kids maybe test better for a little while, but they their comprehension and they don't continue to is, read. Right. Is Their comprehension is not as strong. And then they give it up once no one requires it of them anymore. Yeah. And I think that's too bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. <laughs> so my recommendation to wrap it up, I guess, is to read the book. It's super. It didn't take me very long. It's short. Um, yeah. It's just kind of matter of fact. Um, what it made me do also is want to make a list of all the books she recommends or talks about and the books she's written herself. Yeah. Um, I, I have very limited like experience with her children's books. Um, but now I think they were probably written with this perspective that she has. So they're probably really fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's my plan of action. It's all recommended to yeah. other people too, is, is pick up the book, if for nothing else, to get a list of good children's books are good books to read with children yep uh my recommendation is next time you have friends over and you've had a few glasses of wine that's when you should practice <laughs> oh my god i can't tell you how many times i've read children's books aloud uh-huh. to my friends that, um, would, that would be fun at a conference it's really fun like to, instead of doing a whole presentation about reading yeah get people get some people into your session at a conference and make them read to each other <laughs> yeah. do little story sessions with each other yeah sounds good to me <laughs> all right we'll do that and we'll we'll make that this will be part of the curriculum at our new college yep reading aloud to, reading each, other aloud to each other for fun will be the actual course name mm-hmm. um and we'll make it fit <laughs> I love it. Sounds good. All right. Well, that's going to wind up this episode then, I think. Thanks, Tiffany. Thanks, Heather. See Mem- you next time. Mem can pay us later for this big commercial <laughs> we just did. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. when are we going to start picking up royalty checks from every author that we've I plugged? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't really asked for any. So maybe, maybe we should start asking. Maybe we should start asking. All right. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh. Hey, we need your support to keep the podcasts flowing. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash support to learn how... One of the big things you can do is shop Amazon with the link we provide. You buy your cat food, you buy your kids' books, you buy whatever it is you buy on Amazon, you pay the regular price. 
we get a small percentage of it. Everybody wins. A lot of people are doing it. It really supports the shows, and we really appreciate it. Give it a try. Thanks.